Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. We're starting a short series on the subject of gratitude today, and my subtitle is The Altitude of Gratitude. The altitude of our gratitude determines the joy we experience in life. In other words, how high does your gratitude go? Does it reach the heavens? Does it reach the ears of our Heavenly Father? Do we offer up prayer and praise of thanksgiving during our times of prayer, or is it just, God, I need you to do this, and God, I need you to do that, and God, I need you to come through in this area, and God, I, I'm, I'm struggling in this area? What do our prayers consist of? Is our gratitude towards the Father, does it reach the heavens? I want to read a psalm of thanksgiving for us, and it's found in Psalm chapter number 100, and I'm just going to read the whole, the whole thing. It's really, really short, but it's a powerful passage of Scripture on Thanksgiving. And it says this, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. What does it say? Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we have so much to be grateful for. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would... Uh, use me and, and speak through me and speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting that if you Google books on gratitude and thanksgiving, most of what you'll find are children's books. Surprisingly, there aren't many Christian authors who have done a lot of work on the subject of gratitude and thankfulness, yet gratitude is so important to have in our hearts towards God and towards our fellow brothers and sisters. Gratitude paves the way for so many other blessings in our lives. And in the same way, ingratitude paves the way for anxiety, bitterness, and resentment, among many other things. Thanksgiving, the holiday, is one of my favorite holidays of the year. It's time to gather friends and family over a wonderful feast of turkey and gravy, mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce, green bean casserole. <laughs> all the stuffing, all of the delicious food. You get together with friends and family and you just get to feast. And when you've eaten so much that you're about to explode, out comes the pecan pie, the apple pie, the cherry pie, the cobblers and ice cream and all of those things. It's amazing. The Macy's Day Parade in the morning and then football in the afternoon and evening. It's amazing. Thanksgiving is wonderful. And all of that is good, but the most important thing about this holiday is that we remember all of our blessings from the past year. That we remember what God has done in our lives. That we remember the faithfulness of God. That we remember the provision of God. That we remember the goodness of God and everything that He's done in the past year. That we focus in on not what we don't have, but what we do have, and then give thanks for those things. That is so incredibly important. And so 
what I want to do is I want to go to the book of Philippians chapter number four today. And uh, this, this book, this letter uh, was written by the Apostle Paul, and it's a letter written to the Philippian church, with, which was located in northeastern Greece. And also, this was the very first church in the, the, the continent of Europe. So the first Christian church ever planted in Europe was this uh, Philippian church. And so uh, Paul was writing this letter to that church. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7, and it'll be up on the screen for you to read along if you don't have your own Bibles. And it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is talking to believers here about our prayer life and what it should consist of. He also gives us the prescription for deliverance from anxiety. He tells us that in every situation, our prayers, our prayer life should be full of thanksgiving, should be full of gratefulness for what God has done in our lives. That word thanksgiving in verse 6 means expressing gratitude. It means giving thanks. It's also, it's an act of worship. Thankfulness and gratefulness, gratitude towards God. It's an act of worship. Why does Paul tell us to present our requests to God with thanksgiving? Why does he advise us to pray, but not only just pray, but to pray specifically with thanksgiving? Well, it's, it's because of this. Anxiety follows an ungrateful heart. Anxiety, angst, worry, it follows an ungrateful heart. If you know someone that struggles with anxiety deeply, you, you can probably trace the source of that anxiety to an ungrateful heart. Now, I'm not talking about people who have, you know, seriously medical, uh, mental illness, but I'm talking about anxiety in general. He, Paul tells us in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. He says it. He says, don't be anxious about anything. One of the meanings, this is, this is, this is interesting, one of the meanings for the word anxious that Paul uses here is the word to strangle. That, that's, what, that's what anxious means in this verse, to strangle. For those of you who struggle with anxiety or know someone who does, is this not an appropriate term for anxiety? Because anxiety strangles the life out of us. Anxiety in many ways strangles the hope out of us. It strangles a hope for a future. It strangles a hope out of the mess that we're in. It strangles the faith out of us. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders affect over 40 million adults, 18 and over, in the United States. Anxiety disorders affect 25% of children in the U.S. ages 13 to 18. And in our city, New York City, there are so many reasons to be anxious, isn't there? Yeah. Right? Like, how are we going to pay rent this month when the landlord increased the rent again? Right? 
and watching the news will cause your anxiety meter to skyrocket through the roof, right? There was another murder over here. There was another rape over here. There was another assault over here. I don't even, if I don't have to, I don't watch the news anymore. I can't watch the news in front of my kids because it's, it's talking, it's, it's death after death, murder after murder, assault after assault. Watching the news will create so much anxiety in our lives. Our highly competitive work environments create anxiety in our lives. And it doesn't matter how old you are either in this city. If you're in junior high, you're worried about getting into a good high school in the city. If you're in high school, you're worried about getting into a good college. If you're 20-something and, 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 and you're in your 20s and you're starting your career, you're worried because you have $100,000 of debt from school that you're needing to pay off. And if you're 30-something and married, you're anxious about raising your family and managing your career. Many, many families in the city, both spouses have to work because of the cost of living is so high. And so you're anxious about how you're going to meet all your needs and how you're going to raise your children in this city. And if you're at the age of retirement, you're worried about if you have enough money in your retirement to actually be able to retire and live. Anxiety never ends. And I find it fascinating that we live in the wealthiest nation on the planet, yet our anxiety levels are higher than other countries that do not have the freedoms, resources, or wealth that we have in this nation. Our cars, they're safer than we, they've ever been. We have an airbag in the driver's side and the passenger side. <clears throat> Kids are required to wear seatbelts until they're like 18 years old, right? <laughs> we, we, we're, our cars and vehicles are safer than they've ever, ever been. We are much more medically advanced than we've ever been, right? Way back in the day, if you had just a flu or, or a common cold, like they didn't have any remedies for it and you might have died. We can control just about everything in our lives with our phones, can't we? We can do our banking with our phone. We can do our, you know, all of our communication with our phone. We can check sports on our phone. I mean, we, we can do just, we can, uh, we can check the stock market and all those things. We can do all of those things from an app on our phone. We can order anything we want online and have it delivered to our doorstep. Okay? We can get our laundry done and, and get it. Uh, delivered to our doorstep. We can order groceries and get it delivered to our doorstep. Any gadgets that we could possibly think of or dream of, we can order it on Amazon and get it delivered to our doorstep. Yet, we are an anxious people. I feel like people are constantly sharing with me and opening up to me about how they're struggling and dealing with anxiety in their lives. This is a very serious uh, this is a very serious issue going on in our culture. Why do I say that anxiety follows ungratefulness? Well, it's because ungrateful people tend to gravitate towards the negative of every single situation. That's why they can't be grateful. And when they're constantly meditating on the negative, anxiety is sure to follow. For example, if someone sees at work that you are completely overwhelmed, and that you're in over your head, and they decide to do something kind, and they decide that they just take care of a part of your job without being asked, they just take care of part of your job. If you're an ungrateful person, you will start to get suspicious and say, are they trying to take my job? Right? Are they trying to look good in front of the management? Is that why they're doing this? Instead of just simply showing gratitude and saying thank you. 
maybe writing them a thank you card, maybe taking them out to lunch and just expressing gratitude towards them. Anxiety occurs when what we're worried about outweighs our trust in our Heavenly Father. Anxiety occurs when a form of fear grips you so strongly that you don't believe that there is a way out. But do you want to know some good news? As Christ, one person does. I'll, I'll share the good news for my wife, okay? As Christ followers, we don't have to be anxious. As Christ followers, we don't have to, to just constantly struggle and deal with anxiety. Paul, amen, from out there. Yeah, Thomas. Paul tells us in our text, don't be anxious for anything. He, he didn't say don't be anxious for some things. He said don't be anxious for anything. And, and in researching this passage, the Greek construction of this verse tells us that Paul is forbidding something that is already currently and habitually happening. Okay? The Philippian Christians were already worrying habitually, and so Paul is writing them a letter and saying, I know you're worrying and you're stressed out and you're full of angst and anxiety, but you need to stop. Don't be anxious for anything. But how? I have more bills to pay at the end of the month than I have paycheck. My boss at work is making life difficult. My kids are not doing well in school and I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to inspire them. I don't know how to motivate them. I, I don't know how to get through to them. How can I be anxious for nothing? Well, Paul tells us in this verse or in this passage, he says, present your requests to God, but he doesn't stop there. He says, but present them with thanksgiving. He says, present your requests with thanksgiving. But I don't have anything to be grateful for. Yes, you do. I've had a horrible year, but you have something that you can be grateful for. If absolutely nothing has gone right for you this year, nothing, nothing in your marriage, in your career, at school, whatever, if absolutely nothing has gone right for you this year, but you have Jesus, you could spend eternity being grateful for that one thing. You could spend eternity being grateful for the grace and the mercy of God in your lives. Regardless of if nothing else has gone right in your life, but you have a relationship with Jesus. If Jesus has saved you by His grace and mercy, if you understand that Jesus took your place on the cross, you can be grateful for eternity about that one Thing about that one thing. Amen. Amen. That deserves a hand clap. And when we are grateful, here's what happens. Peace follows gratitude. Peace follows gratitude. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we're grateful to God for saving us from our sins, for not counting against us our trespasses, when we're grateful to God for setting us free from the sinful life that we were enslaved to, when we're grateful to God for the little things in life like the ability to bat our eyes or the strength to walk to the train station or the food that we had for breakfast this morning, peace will follow. Peace will follow follow. The peace of God follows 
gratitude. Paul tells us that when we offer up prayers of thanksgiving, the peace of God that transcends and surpasses all rational thought and understanding will guard our hearts and guard our minds. A peace that transcends all understanding. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that is illogical and irrational will guard our hearts and mind. And this peace is not a peace that the world can give or anyone in the world can give. The origin of the peace that Paul is talking about is from God. The source is from God. The peace that comes from a grateful heart guards and protects us from the angst that comes from the circumstances that surround us. One of the biggest witnessing tools that a believer has, one of the biggest apologetics a believer has is peace. Here's what I mean by that. While all your unbelieving friends are freaking out because of something the president tweeted or because the stock market is down this week, you can stick out by walking in a calm peace that surpasses earthly understanding to the point where people are like, what is it about you that's walking in peace when all of this craziness, all of this uh, all of the stupid things that are going around is happening around. How are you so peaceful? How are you dealing with this? That's one of our greatest witnessing tools to walk in a peace that only God can give us. Anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist. Anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist. If you want the anxiety in your life to flee, start counting your blessings. And start with the grace of God. And continue with the grace of God. And end with the grace of God. Okay? Here's what I mean about anxiety and gratitude that cannot exist on a practical level. Okay? Maybe your relationship with your spouse is the source of your anxiety. If that's the case, okay, or any relationship or friendship within that, and I'm not talking about myself, I'm not self-counseling up here. But if your spouse is the source or a friend is the source of your anxiety, here's what you need to do this week. Get out a piece of paper and start writing down everything about that person that you're thankful for. And depending on the state of your relationship at that time, it might be difficult to think of one thing. You might have to sit there for a while with just a blank page until something comes. But as soon as you start writing and you start to think about what you're thankful for, man, I'm telling you, that anxiety will start to lift because gratitude and anxiety cannot coexist with one another. Why is it important to pray with thanksgiving? Well, because contentment follows gratitude. Contentment follows gratitude. Philippians chapter 4, we move down a little bit to, to verse number 11. Uh, this, is, this is Paul continuing on in, in his letter. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. You know, a lot of us Christians, especially if you've been a Christian for a while, we take uh, Philippians 4.13 so out of context. We, we say, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can, when I'm in Little League, I can hit a home run because Christ is giving me the strength to do that. Or we, we use it for anything. But, you know, what the interesting and amazing thing about this verse is, is that 
historians tell us that Paul uh, was penning this letter in a Roman prison. He was shackled and chained in a Roman prison while talking about his contentment, right? And, and, And to be content means that you are satisfied with who you are and what you have. When we have an unhealthy desire for something, whether that be money, attention, romance, or things, we can't be content. We cannot be content. But Paul tells us here that he has learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether he's rich or poor, whether he's free or in prison, whether he's sick or healthy. He said, I've learned the secret of being content. And that word content, okay, that Paul uses in this, in this verse, it means to be self-sufficient. It means to be independent of external circumstances. But we know that Paul was not self-sufficient. Paul was Christ-sufficient. He tells us in verse 13, I can be content regardless of my outward circumstances, regardless of what's going on around me. I can be content because it's Christ who gives me the strength to be content as I'm in this prison chained and shackled. I can be content. And I can be content when I have everything there is to have. I can be content because it's not dependent upon my outward circumstances. When we're thankful to God in prayer for what we have, we're not going to get upset with God if things don't work out the way we thought they should. If we don't get the promotion at work, yeah, we're disappointed, but we're still grateful that we actually have a job. Right. If we don't get accepted into the graduate program, we're, we're, we're disappointed, but we're, we're, we're still thankful because if we don't give up, we will get accepted in a graduate program. Maybe not the one we initially wanted, but we will. Right. If the person we're dating dumps us, right, breaks our heart, we're hurt, but we're grateful that we still have that profile up on Tinder. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just playing. I, I started... I dated, I, I was dating before Tinder and, and uh, what are the other ones? Stop acting like you don't know. Stop acting like you don't have a profile on all of them. Tinder, what else? eHarmony, is that still going? Christian Mingle, oh, FarmersMingle.com or whatever. They have a dating site for farmers? Like, really? Is that a thing? FarmersOnly.com. Anyways. People who are grateful don't get super prideful when they have plenty or feel like a loser if they're in need because they have learned the secret of contentment. Their identity is not wrapped up in their achievements or possessions. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The gratefulness that Paul is saying should undergird our prayer life is not a gratitude that is dependent upon circumstances. It's not a gratitude that only expresses itself after we have an answer to prayer. He says, give thanks in all circumstances and pray continually. As believers, we are to be thankful when things go our way and when things don't go our way. We're we're to be grateful when everything's coming through and when everything's falling apart. When we are promoted and when we're demoted. When we gain a client and when we lose a client. When we're healthy and when we're sick. When we're wealthy and when we're poor. He says, give thanks in all 
circumstances, in all. The word all that Paul used here is the Greek word pas, and it means all. That was a joke. (laughs) The only way we can be thankful in all circumstances is if we believe and trust that God has everything under control. If you could see the fate, like the faces when, <laughs> when you're up here. It's like... <laughs> as long as we're trying to control our own lives, it will be impossible to be thankful in all circumstances. As long as we are trying to control it. As long as we're trying to manipulate the circumstances and situations in our lives. As long as we're, we've got our hands in it, it is impossible to be grateful and thankful, okay? And then my, my, my last point here, finally, peace plus contentment equals joy. Peace plus contentment equals joy. The theme for the entire book of Philippians is joy. Paul uses the word joy or rejoice 16 times in only 104 verses. Gratitude, not entitlement, should undergird our prayer life. And when it does, we will have joy in our lives. I've heard preachers say, you need to remind God of His legal obligation to give you what He says and promises to give you, almost in an angry angry, entitled way, like you need, to, you need to tell God what He told you He's going to do, and you need, to, you need to tell Him that He's obligated and all that. And let's just be honest, God can do whatever He wants, okay? But, but He is not a man that He should lie, so He's going to do what He says in His Word He's going to do, but we need to enter His gates with thanksgiving and humility, okay? We need to enter His gates with, with a posture of humility, we need to enter his gates with a, with a posture of gratitude and thankfulness and, 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 and just, and just a, a feeling of, of just pure gratefulness for who he is. Uh, uh, just, we need to enter his gates with, with a holy fear, a holy reverence, a holy awe of who he is uh, and, and what he's done and what he is able to do. Amen. A thankful heart should not be confused with mere positivity. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say that we should be thankful, I'm not just saying for us to have uh, conjure up positive thoughts and positive feelings. Our thankful heart must be based on our unwavering confidence that God is able to do exceedingly beyond anything we could ever ask for and that he will ultimately do what's best for his children. Okay, even if what's going on right now does not seem like it's best for you, okay, our gratitude should be based in that confidence that God is going to work things out because he wants what's best for you. He wants what's best for me. He wants what's best for his children. Amen. Right after Paul directs us to not be anxious about anything, but to bring our prayers to God with thanksgiving, he directs us to set our minds on the right things. Philippians 4.8, he says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, gratitude might not come naturally to you, especially if you are a pessimistic person 
by nature. But Paul here directs us to set our minds on the lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy things in life. I heard a preacher say this this week, and if I could have the worship team come up. He said this, joy doesn't make you grateful. Gratitude makes you joyful. Did you hear that? Joy doesn't make you grateful. Gratitude makes you joyful. When you start to think and set your mind upon what you're grateful for, when you set your mind on the grace of God in your life, joy will start to flood your souls. Joy will start to flood and overflow in your hearts. Set your mind to be grateful. Stare at Jesus until you become grateful. Stare at Jesus until gratitude fills and floods your soul. Stare at the goodness of God until you can't help but smile. Stare at Jesus and His grace until even if you're experiencing hell in your life, you're grateful because God is still here and God is still working in your life and working in your heart. Remember, set your mind to remember what it was like for you before you encountered Jesus. The longer you're in the church, the longer you're a Christian, the longer I'm a Christian, the more far removed I am from what life was like before I encountered Jesus. Remember the emptiness of your soul. Remember the pain that your sin caused you and those whom you love. And think about God's amazing grace until gratitude and gratefulness rises up in your heart and in your soul. Man, before I became a Christian at 17 years old, and I was grabbing for all sorts of things to try to find fulfillment in my heart, to try to satisfy the emptiness in my heart. I was grabbing at girls, grabbing at hip-hop music to try to find identity in, drugs, alcohol, partying, all of these different things to try to find my identity in those things, but all of those things failed. I've done some incredibly evil things in my life, things that I'm embarrassed about, things that I'm shameful for, but you know what? God's grace saved me, and God's power set me free. And when I set my mind on those things, and even after I've been saved, man, I've done some terrible things, but God always is faithful to pick me up. God is always faithful to forgive me. God is always faithful to set me free. He doesn't condemn me. He doesn't say, well, you passed the limit on how many times you can do that one, so my grace isn't sufficient for you anymore. No, His grace is endless. His grace continues. His mercy continues. His love continues. His love is relentless. His love is unconditional. His love, we cannot be separated from His love. 
And when I think about those things, when I set my mind on those things, man, all I can have is gratitude. All I can have is gratitude. So in this, as we're entering into the Thanksgiving season, let's set our hearts and minds to be grateful for what we have. Let's not focus on what we don't have. Let's focus on what we do. Amen. Let's pray.